0: I am so glad that the mystery of how a holy God can redeem and have a relationship with a sinful, rebellious people has been revealed in the New Testament in the Lord Jesus Christ, aren't you? Good morning. I'm so glad to see you here this morning. I appreciate your patience with us as we continue to deal with some facility issues. But isn't it good for the family of faith to come together in person and online as necessary? So that we can come together and open our minds and our hearts and worship. Our text, of course, as, as uh, Austin read earlier today, we're going to narrow that down in focus. And I'm going to read another, that paragraph again. But then we're going to narrow it down even further and focus on a specific portion of this text. So this is Romans 12. And I'm just going to read the 14 through 21, the context of where we're focusing right now on loving each other wisely and well. We started this last week where he says... Bless those who persecute you. Now, remember that because that's the theme of this passage. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And then back to repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, certainly counterintuitive, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, that that last verse, verse 21, that's the point of the whole passage. We want God to be glorified. We want good to be shown. We don't want to be overcome with evil. And so what would you say if you were kind of summarizing this? What is the the central idea of the text? What is the theme that's going on here? He begins with persecute. He goes to things like uh, repay no one evil for evil. He says, insofar as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men, which presupposes there's going to be some people who aren't going to be peaceable to you. He says, don't take your own vengeance. Leave that to the Lord. So obviously, we've got some conflict going on, and yet somehow we get to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And it almost seems like a non sequitur. almost seems like it doesn't logically follow. I remember years ago, I was in seminary, and I was interpreting for a deaf student in class And the professor was up there, and he was speaking, and he told the class, he looked out across there, and he said, now, I want you guys to excuse me, but I'm going to be chasing a rabbit for a few minutes. And so as I was turfing, I said, excuse me, but I'm going to be chasing a rabbit for a few minutes. Well, the deaf person looked at me and said, what is that? What? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, let me sign that better. I'm not a good interpreter, I'm just going to tell you. All right? I mean, it, it was by God's grace and in, in the intelligence of these students that they did as well as they did. Chasing a rabbit rather than staying on point, running off the point. And hopefully, I mean back at some point in the future, I, I will tell you that my, my wife helps me. Uh, by the way, I've had a couple of people ask me, why do I bring a notebook to the pulpit? Can I tell you that it's not for my benefit but for yours? I can talk all day about things that I don't even care that much about, but when we get to talking about the truth of God's Word, it is so easy for me to get a word or get a phrase, and it brings to mind, and I'm happy to spur off and chase that rabbit for a while. Well, here's my question for you. In this text, is rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep? Is live in harmony with one another and do not be haughty, and, but associate with the lowly Never being wise in your own sight. Is that, is that Paul just kind of spurring out and saying, we're talking about enemies and we're talking about those who persecute you and those who are pursuing you, seeking you to do harm? But in the meantime, just rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, I will tell you that if that is the case, if this is almost a parenthesis to the main idea of the context, it's true. Amen? It's true. We ought to rejoice with those who rejoice. We ought to weep with those who weep, and that is a distinctly Christian way to behave. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 5, the the Proverbs say that the ungodly are those who are glad at the calamity of others. I, I read something the other day that said, if you want to know how old you are being perceived by others, just trip and fall. If they laugh, they think you're young. If they Run to your aid. They may think you are reached that tipping point, that you're older and you need help. Sometimes we tend to laugh at the calamity of others. And the world's idea is either out of jealousy, out of covetousness, out of wanting to put yourself forward. Even our, I, I, the way we have so often behaved before we came to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ was to kind of watch the news and smirk or to kind of see someone stumble and say, ha, I knew that would happen and yet distinctly christian when god saves us and he calls us to let our love be genuine without hypocrisy without dissimulation when we see someone rejoicing we can rejoice with them when we see someone stumble we can rush to their aid we can weep alongside of them it is a distinctly christian behavior paul writes in other passages of scripture first uh, corinthians 12:26 when Whether one member suffers or all the members suffer with it or one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it because we are one body in Christ. We are members one of another. So it is distinctly Christian to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Without the jealousy or the covetousness or the envy, without the distinct keeping ourselves separate, it is that uniting together But the context of this leads me to think that there may be a more specific application. So if you guys will just kind of follow along with me. Let's dig a little bit deeper into this. In the context of persecution, is rejoicing really out of place? Is it a non sequitur? Is it a rabbit or parentheses that Paul is throwing in there? Does the Bible have anything to say about rejoicing and suffering at the same time? It's a good question, right? Uh, The answer is yes, it does, and it does repeatedly. The theme of this is persecution and, and enmity and evil and not being overcome by evil. The theme here is that I believe rejoicing and suffering go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, we have very clear instructions. If you just go to, we're in Romans 12. If you go back to Romans chapter 5, that's the big transition in, in the scriptures. Where we have from the theology of salvation and being justified by faith. In mean, Romans 5, he says, therefore having been justified, we have peace with the Father. And he goes on to describe what has happened to us as we've been placed in Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we obtain access by faith into grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's our, there's our rejoicing, right? We rejoice because of the hope that we have. Because of God's goodness to us. But what about verse 3? More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Did you know that Christians are called to rejoice in our sufferings? You remember the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 5, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. And other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. What? Really? When someone does evil, when I f- stand up for Christ, when I tell people, hey, I'm a believer. I've given my life to Christ. He has given his life to me. I'm a believer. I, I believe his word is truth. And I have a high view of Scripture because Of the one who spoke it into existence. And the one who has preserved it. And truth is true truth. And we are to live by it. And walk by it. When you take a stand. That stands against what so much of the world stands for. And stands for so much of the world stands against. You're going to face persecution. Jesus promised that. But he dictates. He tells us what our instructions to that is. And it's to rejoice. You guys remember James, right? Brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing this, and he gives us the benefit of those trials. You guys remember the apostles? When they were taken before the Sanhedrin, they were criticized and humiliated. They were ultimately beaten. And then in Acts chapter 5, it says they went away rejoicing because they were counted worthy of the honor of suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get that? So when we face trials and persecution, and by the way, most of us are not going to be thrown into a lion's den or a fiery furnace. Most of us here are not going to be imprisoned for our faith. But it does not mean that we won't suffer opposition and enmity. You may be ostracized by your friends or coworkers. You may stand For biblical truth, I have a good friend who lost his job because his boss wanted him to do something that was unethical. And he said, I know I work for you, but I serve God, and I can't do this. And his boss said, if you can't do this, you can't work here. And he said, I can't work here. And he had to leave his job. I know Christian businessmen, salesmen, who've lost clients because the clients wanted them to provide some amenities, if you will, something, that they could not do because of their Christian character. Uh, I, I know family members who are no longer welcomed in their family of origin because they profess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many ways that we might face what, at least at some level, characterizes as persecution. We, we might lose friends. I remember when I was in high school, um, I was kind of ridiculed in the locker room by some, some guys who I was trying to be friends with. <laughs> and looking back now, I'm thinking, well, that was no big deal. But I got to tell you, at the time, it was a big deal. And I thought, yeah, and you know how the devil gets in your mind or how your own flesh gets in your mind start for and starts working around? I'm driving, by the way. I was driving a 19. And I was driving my Mustang home, and it was after practice, team practice. It was track, actually. And I was headed back home. And I and I, what these guys were saying was just kind of resounding in my ears and bouncing around in my head, and I was just I didn't know what to do. I thought I'm going to go through high school with no friends. Yeah, this is going to this is going to be hard. I don't like this, and I remember praying and crying, saying, "God, I don't I don't like this. I don't want this." But I'm going to stand for you regardless. And I have to go to, through high school with no friends. I'll go through high school with no friends. Because you're more important. But that was not instantaneous. And by the way, I had a lot of friends. I did. I have a twin brother. I always had one friend. <laughs> but I, I, I had a lot of friends in high school. And it was, it was, it was great how God worked Through me. But I will tell you that there will be times, and in your own head, I will tell you little opposition can become big opposition. But I just want to tell you that according to the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you follow after Him, you are going to have times of difficulty and suffering. Okay? Now, why does that matter? Because your response is to rejoice in sufferings, counting it an honor to suffer for the cause of Christ. But I will tell you that when you suffer, it's okay that you weep. It's okay that the tears come. It's okay for you to struggle and recognize the loss. But the point of this passage is, there'll be times when you're persecuted and you rejoice in your persecution. There'll be times when you're persecuted and it's a time of weeping and agonizing over the things that you are losing for the cause of Christ. And this passage says that we are supposed to endure in, we are supposed to get involved in one another's trials. This should be point one on your outline or something close to it. We are to get involved. We are to partner with others as they go through difficult times. That's this whole point here. We're going to per- be persecuted, and we're supposed to get involved in one another's trials. Trials, someone's trials. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, Sharon, if you'll bring up Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13, and I want you to look at verse 32. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. The writer to the book of Hebrews was writing to those Jews who were struggling and those Jews who had been displaced. He was teaching them about the reality of grace in Christ. And listen to what he says here. He says, I want you to remember how it used to be. Remember the former days. After you had been enlightened, after the Holy Spirit turned the light on and you knew who Jesus was and you were following and trusting after them, what happened? You had a hard time. You endured a hard struggle and you suffered. Sometimes it was you. You were being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. And sometimes it wasn't you. Sometimes it was the people on the next pew. The Christians who lived in the next community. Sometimes it was the extended group. And it was others who were being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. And you were being partners with those who were being so treated rejoice with those who rejoice counted worthy of their persecution weep with those who weep come alongside of them and comfort them we want to partner with them as we as we go through this life seeking to glorify and honor our God it's a, there's a there's another passage. As a matter of fact, we were just in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go ahead and, and go to where I first said, Hebrews chapter 13. There's a, there's a sister passage that I think is a great one just for us to look at really quick about how we're to relate to one another who are going through difficult times. One of the things that happened to these Jewish Christians was that many of them were imprisoned and they weren't imprisoned because they had broken law, and certainly not because they had broken God's law, but they were imprisoned because they stood for Christ. They would not bow to Caesar. There was no Kaiser Kurios. It was Christ is Lord, Christos Kurios. And many of them were imprisoned. Looking at chapter 13, verse 1, he says, Let brotherly love continue. That's important. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison. And again, he's talking about specifically those of you who are in prison as a result of your faith in Christ. Now, how are you to remember them? Send them a card. Put them on the prayer list on Wednesday night. How are you to think about them and relate to them? As though you were imprisoned with them. Wow. And... Those who are mistreated, and we'll add the clause in, as though you were the one being mistreated, since you also are in the body. This this first point is really simple, and I don't mean to belabor it. And whether he's talking specifically about in the context of persecution or not, I believe it applies most clearly in context. And it is that every one of us are going to face some sort of struggle as a result of our faith in Christ. And we are called to come alongside of one another. We're called to be there with someone as though we were going through the trial that they're going through. We are called to remind them, man, it's hard to rejoice in suffering. Amen? Can I get a witness? It is hard to rejoice in suffering. Early in my ministry here, a man came into my office and he said, I'm going to get you fired. I'm going to bring a motion to the church that you be gone. And it was because it was a theological issue uh, that devolved into other things. But, but it, it was a, a pretty challenging time. And, you know, Suzanne and I were praying and we were kind of struggling. We were going through some fairly difficult days. And, and, and it was a, we were making a shift in how we approach some specific things about the life of the church. And we just said, hey, here's what the Scripture says. We're going to be faithful to what the Scripture says. And I had another guy call me up that week, and he said, listen, I don't know that we can get enough votes to fire you, but we can take your salary out of the budget. (laughs) And uh, so I went and saw Suzanne said, hey, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. It may or it may not, but we just need to be prepared. And so we're just going to walk through this time together. And I will tell you that there was a little bit of weeping. Not much rejoicing as we went through some pretty difficult times. And then a fellow pastor just called to check on me out of the blue. How you doing? And I said, well, how much time you got? And he said, enough. I got enough. And he came over. And we walked down Main Street, Greenville. And we walked through the West End neighborhood in the community. And he just read scripture to me. And we prayed together. And we talked together. And here's what he did for me. He reminded me that I serve a God with whom nothing is impossible. He reminded me that God's promise to provide for my needs and to care for me and to be sufficient for me. In every circumstance and in every situation. He reminded me that God had given us a mission and a task and a purpose and a calling. And yes, we can expect some difficulties and strange relationships and some opposition. Something that you might even classify as persecution. But it's worth it and we can rejoice in persecution even while weeping. And we can continue faithful to what God has done. And after the time he spent with me, I don't know if I can explain this, but it just reestablished my foundations. Does that make sense? It just reestablished my foundations. It clarified my thinking. It strengthened me. That's what it means to encourage, to speak courage into someone. And I believe that's the call here. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So get involved in someone's trials. To what extent? Remember what we read in Hebrews chapter 10? I mean, 13, as though you were in prison with them, as though you were being mistreated with them. That's the second point. It's very simple. Take it personal. Take it personal. Now, you can't take everybody's problems on you personally, but there's somebody's you can. There's somebody in the Christian family, in the Christian faith, there's somebody in the context of your small group or your church that you know enough about them to know what kind of suffering they do, and you get to just come alongside of them. You get to call them up. Hey, how it's going. This point number two on the line is take it personally. You get, to, you get to roll with them. You get to connect with them. You get to serve with them. That's one of the things I believe. That, that's why small groups are so important. And that's what's meant in the very next verse, by the way, verse 16, where he says, live in harmony with one another. I'd love to go through some of the Greek. The Greek construct of this passage is, is uh, pretty interesting. But I will tell you this. When we think of harmony, I don't know. I always default to a Coke commercial from the 70s. You guys remember that? That's not the harmony that he's talking about here. Basically, the harmony you're talking about here, the word mind is used repeatedly, soon from this. And it means to be of the same mind, be of one mind toward one another. The New American Standard translates it that way. Be of the same mind toward one another. King James, same thing. Be of the same mind toward one another. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says be in agreement with one another, which may be the best translation. What this means is simply you're not on your own. You ought to be connected mentally, emotionally. You're with this, someone. You're to take it personally. Let me see if I can illustrate this. This morning, someone got mugged in New York City. Do you care? Yeah, sure we care. We don't want anybody in New York City to get mugged. Of course. But in reality, it's a statistic. But what if in Greenville, close to where you live, someone got mugged? Do you care? Yeah, I care. I even care a little bit more. Because it's in my neighborhood, it's in my community, it's in my town. I may know them. I may know someone that was affected by them. I may go online and find out where it happened, who it happened, what do we need to raise our awareness of. And so it goes from a statistic to a concern. But what if this morning my wife was mugged or my child was mugged? All of a sudden, it's no longer a statistic. It's no longer a concern. It's a crisis, and I am personally involved. And it affects my calendar It affects my wallet. It affects my priorities. I'm involved. I'm taking it personally. What is the most common phrase for Christian brothers and sisters in Scripture? I just used it. Never mind. Brothers and sisters. Family. Family. Now, I will say that I believe that there are some of us who are like, that's too touchy-feely for me. My wife has the gift of hospitality and the gift of mercy. I have more the gifts of administration, proclamation. This person is people-oriented. I'm task-oriented. And we tend to kind of compartmentalize and say, somebody needs to do that, but not me. I, I, don't, like the, I don't like the soft stuff of Scripture. Well, the next verse... And the next phrases in this verse kind of addresses that because the next phrase is, don't be haughty. Don't distance yourself. Associate with the lowly, those who have been brought low. If this context is correct, those who have been brought low by what they're experiencing, by the suffering that they're Don't distance yourself. And many of us have a tendency to distance ourselves from troubles, particularly when it's not our troubles. And we need to be aware of the tendency that we have to create distance. That's why we come to this passage, Romans chapter 12. And we read, don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Don't be conceited, ESV says. uh, Don't be wise in your own mind, which brings me back to knowing how we should love one another, to Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge Him. He will direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. That's what we get from this text. And so what is the point that we're going to hear? In all this context about persecution, struggling, not taking your own vengeance. What's the point? And I'll close with this. I think it's important that we understand. The command to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. The command to not be haughty but to associate with the lowly. The command to be not wise in our own eyes, but to love one another is the command to unite our hearts and lives together. To be aware of what each other are going through to the extent that you can. That's why small groups are so important, home groups, Sunday school groups, connected networks. That's why it matters so much. The ministry team that you serve on, be aware, get involved in the trials that someone's facing. Help them to recognize what it means to rejoice in suffering for the glory of God, that they're counted worthy of the honor of suffering for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes you'll just need to be there to weep with them when they weep. And then get engaged. Take it personally. Be aware of the tendency to not connect because it matters. Let me tell you something, folks. As a family of faith, the broader church, certainly... But I want to talk to West End Baptist Church in the West End community of Greenville, South Carolina. God has called it. He placed this congregation here over 130 years ago. And He has kept us here. With some slight... And He brought us back here. How about that? Because He's got a mission for us. We are to love the people here and care for them, and meet their needs, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ that forever transforms life and gives life. And we do it as we walk arm in arm. It does sound like a Coke commercial. Arm in arm, hand in hand, in the power of Christ. Loving Him, loving one another, and our loving one another becomes a testimony to the world that we belong to Him. Isn't God good? He is good indeed. Join me as we pray. Father, thank you for this scripture. Thank you for the simple truth that we are to connect with one another all the time. But particularly when we are being persecuted or struggling or suffering or being mistreated or being excluded or having difficulties in other relationships for the cause of Christ. Help us to come alongside of one another to be teammates to be family members to weep and rejoice to strengthen and speak courage into Father I know the tendency of my own heart is so much easier to go down a task list and check things off the list to sit in my office and Fill my hands with a book than it is to, to, to take the time to go and to connect. And I pray that you will give me and give us more of a willingness to assume the responsibility to be a part of each other's lives. Connect us with home groups, with small groups, with CLA classes or Sunday school classes or ministry teams that minister together. Make us sensitive to what each other's going through so that we can... Go alongside. Come alongside of one another in these days. Father, I pray that people will know we are Christians by our love for one another and by the love that we have for you. And I pray that we will never lose sight of the mission and the ministry that you have called us to, that you've placed us in, to continue the task that you have begun, to proclaim your good news, the gospel of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ in this community. We love you and we thank you.